Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. It is not our abilities that show what we truly are. It is our choices. Hello and welcome to Jen Taylor Rerouting, where being rude is never acceptable, but sarcasm is welcome and swearing isn't always a bad option. Let's get started. Hello, welcome to Jen Taylor Rerouting. Today I have as a guest, uh, uh, Wynne Kelly Charles, who has become a friend of mine and I'm very blessed and thankful. And um, Wynne, how are you today? I am perfectly fine and thank you for having me on as a guest. We we started this endeavor when I was on Wynn's podcast and then we kind of got to know each other more and more. And of course, strong female entrepreneurs who have struggled are kind of who I love to interview. And so Wynn, we're going to jump right in and start talking about uh, you because that's what this is about. Yes. And now I'm going to let everyone know ahead of time, you have cerebral palsy. We'll start with yep. that. At what age did you know? I I got diagnosed in 87 with cerebral palsy. Cerebral palsy is a lack of oxygen enjoy at birth. And it could be caused by a traumatic birth. And it could be caused by a stroke at birth. It could be caused by choking on popcorn at the age of two. Cerebral palsy is a just a lack of oxygen injury. Most most kids receive it and thus no, it's not genetic, and no, I can't pass it on to my kids if I wish to have kids. Right, and I'm glad that you pointed that out, just because there's a lack of information probably so you were diagnosed do you know and that was at birth yes okay. i was diagnosed i believe on well i was diagnosed i believe on june 22nd 1987 which happened to be my birthday obviously <laughs> and then yeah so I was diagnosed either on June 22nd or um, June 23rd. Okay. And it affects everyone differently, correct? Yes. Yes, it does. It affects, I know people with heavy speech impediments. I also know people who are non-verbal do, actually, the story I'm about to tell um, is public. I have a friend who was born able-bodied and at the age of two he choked on a piece of popcorn aspirated on a piece of popcorn and acquired what we believe is cerebral palsy okay usually though in young children and it's an oxygen deprivation and everyone's affected yes. differently so how yes. are you affected i have what's called Hemiplegia cerebral palsy. I have moderate to severe cerebral palsy. Uh, my cerebral palsy isn't like both um, both sides are affected. My I'm opposite sides of the body, which means I'm holding my cell phone in my right hand. My left hand is so weak 
and so shot that I can't even hold scissors in it. I'm predominantly right-handed, which means I'm the opposite sides of my body on my legs. Oh, okay. So it's your left leg that's stronger. It's, yeah, it's my left leg that's stronger and then my right hand is stronger. Okay. Now, we can jump in wherever you want. I want people to know, first of all, you have a college degree in early childhood education and you work full-time with um, in the school system and uh, in the special education department. On top of that, you're not just like, I'm an author, a published author, and I have one book out. You have seven, seven books, and your eighth book is coming out this uh, August. Yeah. Um, so you work full time, you have your own podcast, you're a published author almost eight times, and yeah. we have no excuses. <laughs> no. There are no excuses. So tell me where you want to jump in. There's a lot of information about your dad, your mom, having a full-time job. Okay. I do not work with special ed. Oh, I I'm work sorry. with able-bodied preschoolers, believe it or not. I wish I worked, I wish I worked with special ed. <laughs> no, I work with able-bodied starting those preschoolers, which anyone who knows who's in the education system knows that that working with able-bodied preschoolers is tough, 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 because of where the education system is going in the U.S. And so I am slowly walking away from um, education, and I am getting a degree my second a uh, full associate's degree, thank you very much, in fashion journalism, and then I'll come out of there with a bachelor's degree. Okay, so I messed up the special, and I don't know how I messed that up, but I apologize. So okay. I've had That's a few okay. preschoolers, and they are pretty tough. So um, now, do you, let's talk about walking away from the education system because I would also, I have, a, my oldest is 25 and my youngest is seven, so she's in first grade, so I can't walk away anytime soon entirely, but I would love to. Um, so let's talk about why. You, you got your degree in early childhood education and you've worked full-time in that, and now what's the, what's the disconnect? The disconnect is, well, first of all, the pay. And as we record this interview, it's Teachers Appreciation Week. Yeah. And one of the things they handed me was one of the things my private school handed me was a bag with movie tickets in it. And which was mildly nice of them, but I'm thinking, really? A $100 paycheck would have been more for Teachers Appreciation Week. Now, that's not to say that I don't love Teachers Appreciation Week. It's to each their own how they want to do it. But where the education system is headed with Betsy DeVos at the helm, and I'm sorry if I get political here, but Betsy DeVos has stated quite clearly that 
she doesn't believe in public school education and she also doesn't believe in special ed. Well, that leads um, all of us who are in special ed, either teaching it, uh, who were special ed students like myself, to believe that these charter schools are going to have a hard time. So that's why I'm slowly but surely walking away from the education system because I don't want to be involved with that bomb when it drops. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I also, from my perspective, being a parent instead of an educator, we have different, slightly different roles. And I've had kids in um, special education. I just feel like the parents aren't accountable for their children. And the school system has gone down as far as the funding. I, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. I mean, I'm looking at my paycheck right now, and half my cell phone goes towards my paycheck. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't encourage my kids to become teachers, which is really sad because it would have been one of my first choices 25 or 30 years ago. Um, and now I, I wouldn't tell them not to, but I wouldn't encourage it. So that's really sad to me. I could make more money podcasting and with a journalist degree than journalism degree than I can teaching. And that's sad. That is sad. So you're walking away from that and I'm super excited because you're going back to school this fall. Uh, yes. Fall of 2017 and you want to get your next degree, which will end up being a bachelor's and it's fashion journalism. So tell me why, where did, that is so f different from education. I mean, well, they're not even, <laughs> two, wow. offices, two offices ends of the spectrum. Yes. Okay. Okay. I'm like, okay. I need to get the creative side and people ask me all the time. People say, well, when? Why can you have a nine to five job? Why can you do this in a nine to five job? I'm like, I have a creative streak about me that there's no tomorrow. A lot of people with physical disabilities have the creative streak. And it's not because of my physical disability that I cannot keep a nine to five job. It's because I'm too creative. And to get back to education, for two seconds, I think that the education system is squishing all the creativity out of these kids. Yeah, I would have to agree. And when I look, when I look at it, I thought about, okay, what am I going to do when, um, when I first went back to college? I tried and then that didn't work out. So then I thought, okay, I need to get my passion back up, which my passion is podcasting. I consider myself a full-time podcaster who plays teacher on the side <laughs> once a week. And so she's laughing at me because- I love it. I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so the reason why I decided to go back to journalism school is because I thought, okay, for all these years, since 2011, since 2011, or no, 2012, I'm 
story belt that I got today. Um, since 2012, I've been self-taught. And I'm like, I need the training now to keep this podcast going. And I've been a fashionista all my life. I mean, I'm not kidding when I say my mom used to send me to school, not in cycles by any means, but in beautiful dresses and with those sweaters with the horses on them. And they were a beautiful clothing line for children, I think, out of California. And um, and so my mom always dressed me as if I didn't have a disability. So I just thought, why not? Why not incorporate my love for fashion in a degree that I really, really love and a degree that I really, really want? And it's going to help me with the podcast. And when the education bomb drops, I will be making money at a career that I, a passion that I really, really love that I don't consider a career. I don't consider podcasting a career by any means. I consider a podcast a big, huge college of me lifelong learning. Right. I agree with that because I podcast also. Yeah. So you tell me about your seven books. Can we ju- jump a little bit into Yay. Okay. Yay. Um, well, I wrote my first book when I was 23 years old, and it was my autobiography, Living with Cerebral Palsy. And yes, you guys, it can still be found on Amazon. It's called I, W-I-N, which I comma win. Win is my legal name, and we'll get to why in a couple seconds. And as my mom was dying from meningitis and a brain aneurysm, I asked her, and now granted, this was a woman who, after three hours of brain surgery, didn't, um, to cure the brain aneurysm, mind you, um, didn't even name the people in the room. She automatically asked, who's taking care of when? Now, granted, the doctors were shocked that this woman was making full, complete sentences of who's taking care of when. And they might have been a little bit gurgled, so I, um, so I was told. But the fact that before she named the people in the room and made sense of who was there, she was concerned about me and me because me having cerebral palsy. So long story short, as she was admittedly in this coma, and this is where um, I don't believe that people can't hear you in mentally in this coma, because the day I walk in to her um, ICU unit, all her machines were beeping a thousand miles a minute, and there wasn't a doctor, a nurse to um, help this poor woman. And of course, she was in distress because why would machines be beeping a thousand miles a minute? So what I did is rolled up 
to a bedside and I basically said one other one at a time, I love you, mom, I love you, mom, I love you, mom, I love you, mom. So, and I was the only one in the room. My dad, who I still live with, left me. Her family left me. Of course, as I said, there wasn't a doctor in sight to help a non-nurse. And mm-hmm. so they walked in um, right after to, um, I think, change the um, dump. Actually, I hate to get graphic here, but I know exactly what they did. They um, dumped the catheter out and the catheter that they had my mom hooked up to and left the room. And so that just made me extremely angry at the medical system. Not only did she get meningitis in the hospital, but they couldn't even calm uh, um, scared half the deaf woman down in the medical and just calm her. So long story short, after I did that, thank you very much as her own daughter, I asked her, I said, well, since I'm watching you die, can I at least write a book on your tremendous legacy, my tremendous legacy? And she said, yes, as long as you do it gracefully, meaning you don't spill too many family secrets. <laughs> so long story short, I gave myself a year. I wrote the book. I um, Two weeks after the book came out, not only did my friends and family buy it, but my fan base bought it as well because a lot of people follow me online. And then complete strangers were asked, complete strangers were asking me and enamored by this book about cerebral palsy within my youth, really. And so they keep, they asked me, how do you do all this? How do you do all this with a chronic disability, meaning cerebral palsy? And so I said, oh boy, they opened up a can of worms that now I have to either put the top on or start a new project. And so um, so when the when I thought about it, I'm like, oh boy, if I get behind that podcasting mic one more time and explain, hello, I have cerebral palsy, people are going to tune me out. And I thought, okay, how are we going to do this? So then I came up with the concept of why not bring on people that have interesting life on stories and call it wins women of wisdom well long story short men wanted to get involved so i'm like okay now the men want to get involved so wins women of wisdom isn't going to work so now it's called um butterfly butterflies of wisdom which can be found in itunes and that's the story behind it Awesome. And yes, uh, Butterflies of Wisdom is easy to find on iTunes. Um, actually, I when I was on your podcast previously, I searched information about who is this person that I'm talking to. So yeah. it's actually very easy to find information about you. Um, yeah. Amazon. Yeah. I, I Twitter is what you use a lot of. And on Twitter, yeah. you are at Win Kelly Charles. Yeah. yeah. And on Amazon. I hang out on Twitter, so if you guys want to 
tweet me and I respond. And when I become a New York Times bestselling author with Sarah Mulvey, I will, and again, a team of course, I will always, 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 always be responding to Twitter. I won't be one of those New York Times bestselling authors that has her publicist do it. Always me on Twitter. Not always me on Facebook, but always me on Twitter because I think it makes it more authentic. So you're, it is easy to find you. It's and it's Win W I N, like you said, Kelly K E L L Y. Charles is the yeah. last name. Yeah. And Twitter, Facebook, Amazon, Butterflies of Wisdom podcast. I mean, really, it's really pretty easy yeah. to find yeah. all your information. The podcast is amazing because you're right; it's inspirational stories from other people. Um, and this is, you know, I think it's fascinating your story because it's not mine, so it's different from mine. Um, and I think we all love to hear each other's stories and find passion in them. So that was your first book. And you said your mom was on her deathbed and you were 23 when you wrote that first book. So how old were you when she passed away? I, um, I was, I believe 22. The reason why I say I believe 22 is because I don't remember when I lost my mom my life obviously turned upside down and yeah those days were um running into one so i don't remember what age i was i believe 22 when she passed away okay and now have how long when did you get your associate's degree and start working full-time in education uh i got my associate's degree in um 2012 okay 2012 i received my diploma and i um hold a job one day a week i didn't even walk at my original graduation i shouldn't have but this time around i'll be walking and so um this time around i'm in california i'll be walking but I was so devastated at the loss of my mom that I didn't even go to my own graduation. Okay. Um, and then your second book, you wrote the autobiography and you got a lot of feedback from that. And then there's six more books since then. There's, let's see, there's two um, anthologies which empowered women in social media is one of them 20 beautiful women is another one so those are anthologies now what uh, anthology is is i contributed a chapter to a big fat book and that's all i did and then i have another book coming out in september talking about mental illness it's actually the story of robin williams and I was honored and blessed enough to um, be approached by a New York Times bestselling author to do the forward on that one. So that one is coming out in September too. And then I have my teen series, three books in that, and I'm slowly but surely working on finishing up my teen series called The View from My Hills with the original book. And I can't believe the view from my heels is actually 
turning my life right now. And so um, that's talking about two teens, about all different sorts of different disabilities. And the um, main characters in that book, Zoe and Kelly, have um, CP. Kelly has a milder version of CP than I do. I made it my alter ego here. Yeah. And then um, Zoe is Kelly's best friend, who my best friend also has CP, and you quickly discover who's the best friend in that one. And yeah, so that's all based upon fashion, and that's all based upon, um, that's all based upon different disabilities. I mean, we talked about Downs and that. Down syndrome, and that uh, we talked about cerebral palsy, we talked about being paralyzed. We talk, we go the whole gamut right now. What what changed in 2006 for you? Okay, really, do you, really do you want to go? I'll go, I'll go <laughs> we're going there. deep. Um, we're going deep. We're going deep. Okay, so. In 2006, I had scoliosis really bad, and it turned bad, like, in about a month. It went from 20 degrees to, we believe, 45 degrees. Well, um, I had to go in for surgery, back surgery, obviously, where they put hands and rods in my back. And they basically left me for dead. I am the youngest person to survive what they call propofol infusion syndrome, which propofol is a form of anesthesia. And that's how Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson died. Propofol is a, he called it, I want my milk. And Michael Jackson did. And so propofol is a form of anesthesia that a lot of people are allergic to. I come to find out that so many people are allergic to um, propofol that it's not even funny. I don't know why they still use it. So every time I go into surgery now, I say, uh, no, I, that's the only thing I'm allergic to. I make sure that every doctor knows I'm allergic propofol when I ask what are you allergic to I say propofol so you had an allergic reaction during the surgery yes I had allergic reaction during the surgery and then they let my spine go dead for 20 minutes on top of that and that clearly wasn't the plan in the surgery nope so what the 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 original plan was to put the rods and the pins in your spine to straighten it and make things better for you yep and what was the end result i mean obviously you survived it so that's the biggest end result the positive end result but what was the end result with your spine the end result with my spine was my spine's fine now thank you very much and but the end result is for about a year i and I'm, I suffer nerve damage, severe, uh, severe nerve 
damage. I quickly discovered that one when I was uh, in the Caribbean in Nassau, Bahamas, walking down the Senate stairs, and I quickly discovered that I had none damage, thank you very much, in 2000, let's see, in 2007, they didn't tell me that, and then, um, and then I went, I ended up on a walker for the rest of my life, the walker I still have, and it's been about 11 years, um, my surgery date was June 14, 2006, I woke up, in the hospital saying, what, what hospital is this one am I here? And they go, when you just had back surgery and I was on, on so many pain meds that I can't remember the back surgery. Wow. So definitely didn't have the desired outcome. No. In any no. way. Nope. And you've been, you are, you use a walker. 